We want to welcome each of you back with us today, and here we are back with Saul of Tarsus. This is the last we'll refer to him and uh, for a few chapters, and then we'll pick him up again. The Lord's working with him as he is with us, and uh, it's a great thing. When we left Saul of Tarsus, he had had this dramatic experience on his road to Damascus. He was going to Damascus to persecute, to jail, to imprison, to uh, kill many of the Christ followers. And as he is about to enter the city, the Lord blinds him with a just beautiful blinding Shekinah glory from heaven. And as he and his men fall down to the ground, uh, when he looks up after hearing the Lord saying, why are you persecuting me? the Lord said to Saul. And Saul was blinded, carried into, hand carried into Damascus, not a way that he thought he would enter into this city. And yet for three days, three nights, he had no food, no water, was completely blind, and staying at the house of Judas on Straight Street. A good place to be when you're trying to get your life in order is to be on Straight Street. And so... Here he was being sent, another disciple of Christ, a very faithful follower evidently by the name of Ananias. And Ananias had to question the Lord on this particular assignment because he said, I want you to go to Judas's house on Straight Street. You'll find Saul of Tarsus there. Which Ananias said, what? You know, kind of like that, excuse me? This is the same man that I've heard that is persecuting your disciples, your followers, and you want me to go and talk to him? Now, I've already talked to him, the Lord said. I've already got it worked out for you. I've laid the groundwork. I've told him that you'd be coming. I've told him what your name is and that he would be expecting you. And then when you lay your hands on him and, and he receives the Holy Spirit, then he will receive his sight. But... I also told him that this ministry is going to be first and foremost to the Gentiles. Secondly, to the kings and leadership throughout the world. And then thirdly, to the Jews. Well, here we have it. They had a situation where Saul of Tarsus began to preach. He began to proclaim the word of God to the people there in Jerusalem. They didn't take kindly to it, or in Damascus, excuse me. They didn't take kindly to it at all. So to the extent that he had to be let down in a basket through a window in the wall and they gave him a, an escape to which he was in the desert and in other regions of Damascus for some three years. Now in that three years, three years, three days, the Lord's working with Saul. As he's working with Saul, he, we find certain things begin to happen. Saul is gone for three years. When he comes back, he goes to Jerusalem. Now, I want to read you this scripture, if you'll pick it up with me in chapter 9, verse 26. The Bible says, when he, that would be Saul of Tarsus, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told, him how, told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. 
So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Wow, that's an interesting transformation there. Here he was gone for some three years, hadn't been to Jerusalem in three years. Jerusalem is where it all started for Saul of Tarsus. Here is this man who had been schooled in the finest school of rabbis under Rabbi Gamaliel. And under Rabbi Gamaliel, the finest of the teachers, he began to understand that those who strayed away from the Jewish faith were infidels. They were heretics. They needed to be eliminated. And so here comes Christ, Jesus, coming in and and claiming to be the Messiah. And his followers claimed him to be the Messiah. They claimed that he, had been, that he was crucified, and Saul knew that. And yet they claimed that he was resurrected from the dead. And that's where things got ugly with Saul. He did not believe it, did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until he was encountered on the road to Damascus. Spent three years out in the wilderness. He would say later on in Galatians 1 that he sought no instruction from humans only sought it from God. And I'm sure he had the scrolls uh, of, the, of the prophets and all of the, the law with Moses and the, and the wisdom literature as well, studying it for some three years. So here he is, three years, coming back to Jerusalem for the first time since he left it on his way to Damascus. Hmm. What was the reaction? Three things I want to leave with you today. First of all, Saul was rejected. You see that. Verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. They had a lot of questions in their heart and mind. Where have you been for these last three years? What were you doing? Are you a spy from the Sanhedrin? Are you a plant from them? Do we really want to have you here? Can you imagine if you're in a Jewish synagogue and and Hitler claims to have become a Jew? Would you not be a little bit concerned? Of course you would. Of course you would. And they were. What's his angle? What's he trying to get us to say or do? What is he trying to find out about us? And these were people that in Jerusalem, Saul years earlier, had persecuted and in some cases executed their family and friends. What's he going to do to them? Wow. Well, the Hellenistic Jews wanted to kill him. These were the Greek-speaking Jews. Saul came in there and he was thinking, you know, I know this town. I was here three years ago. They know me. I was the one that that came to the Sanhedrin. And it was the Hellenistic or the Greek-speaking Jews that were the ones behind the, the movement to name Saul to be their henchman to go out and persecute these who were in the way, that the, these Christ followers. And so Saul said, I know every avenue, I know every back alley, I know every household, I know where everybody lives. I am so familiar with Jerusalem because I have been there. And he's thinking the entire time, I've got a message. I've got a testimony. I've got a word to bear to these people. 
but they didn't want to hear it because of their suspicion. He was rejected. Well, sometimes changing a reputation is really difficult. Those of you that are here, or those of you that are listening to this broadcast, understand that you who have come out of a really, really tough background, perhaps, or maybe it's your, your, your past, maybe it's that reputation that you got over the years. Mm. I've met people in motorcycle gangs. I've met people that have just come out of uh, different kind of experiences in their lives, and, and they, they walk into a church building to meet the church with fear and trepidation. They know me. They know what I've done. Will they even believe me when I tell them that the Lord is now my Lord? I don't know. Well, they were rejecting Him. They didn't believe Him. What's His angle? They all wanted to know. You see, sometimes people don't even want to associate with you because of your background, your past reputation. Sometimes even Christ followers... Sometimes, especially Christ followers, really don't want to have anything to do with somebody who has, as they say, an ill repute, a bad reputation. Sometimes it is difficult. The rejections are terrible at that particular point. And you have a hard time working your way into the Bible study circles or into the fellowship of believers, into that worship experience. You feel like you're sitting there all alone. And you're thinking, they know who I am. That's the reason why they're not sitting with me. That's the reason why they're not coming to my house. That's the reason I haven't been getting invitations to join them in their Bible studies or church fellowship. They know all about me. They know I've been the one that has, you know, really derided them for their belief in Christ Jesus, and yet they don't want anything to do with me. Well, Saul of Tarsus had that same experience. Poor Saul, he, nobody was, wanted to sit next to him at the lunch room you know he sat all alone at his table eating his lunch by himself wish somebody would come by but they never did well not only was he rejected but he was respected how did he get that respect look at verse 27 and 28 it says but barnabas i love the but statements in the scripture normally when you see it it's but god This guy was going in his own direction. He was doing the wrong things, but God intervened. And now you see that Barnabas, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, intervened. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Now, I don't think it was just, you know, they they kind of uh, summarized in a one-statement sentence about what Barnabas did. But I've got this feeling, strong feeling, that Barnabas, being a man of God that he is, and we met him back in chapter 4. Remember when there was this revival breaking loose under Peter and John, and, and everything was turning to the Lord, and, and people were literally turning their, their assets and their, their personal possessions over for the distribution to those who had need. And there was Barnabas, who was encouraging people. He was really called Joseph, and then all of a sudden, they gave him this nickname, Barnabas which literally means, translated, son of consolation or son of encouragement, if you will. So that's when we first met this guy. 
And now, I'm sure that he has heard from all the followers there in Damascus, around the churches. You know, we have seen this Saul, and we have listened to his testimony, and we have watched him work. We believe that there's some validity here to his testimony. We believe that he's being honest with us and up front. The things that he tells us in our synagogue and in our house churches, in our meeting places, seem to be from the heart. So I'm sure that at that point, Barnabas took him aside. Maybe he said to to Saul, hey, how about joining me at Starbucks? I'm going to have a cup of coffee. Oh, don't get literal on me. And so, as they were having fellowship with one another, Barnabas probably leaned over and said, I hear that you are a changed man. What happened? How'd that occur? Is the testimony that I've been hearing from Damascus really true? Are you not the same man that three years ago were persecuting the Christian church? Is that not you? Well, yes, it's me, Saul said. But let me tell you what happened to me on the way to Damascus. And then let me tell you, not only on Damascus, but let me tell you what happened to me in Damascus and about Ananias. Paul writes about this later on in his testimony. He says, that's where I was. And so Barnabas listened to him and he heard it from the heart because you and I, when we're in the power of the Holy Spirit, know when people are telling you the truth or not. The Spirit gives witness to our spirit that this is true or not. So, Barnabas began to build a bridge between Saul and his disciples. One of the greatest things you can do is introduce your circle of friends to people that can help them grow in Christ. Disciples, true followers of Jesus. You see, you deal in circles that I can't have access to until you allow that to happen. You have family and friends, you have neighbors, you have club members, you have anything, any of these number of people that you're relating to that I have no access to at all until you introduce them to me or to somebody else that you respect as a teacher or a student of the Word of God. And so your responsibility, like Barnabas, is to make sure this individual is seeking the Lord And then secondly, introducing them to other people that can help them grow in Christ. And so, as a result of Barnabas, who was highly respected by the disciples there, Saul likewise became respected and accepted. Well, Barnabas was this reconciler. He was making sure that Saul was reconciled first to the Lord, and then he was reconciled to those that he had previously persecuted. Wow. Well, he was respected. The Bible says he taught, he was stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, going from different synagogues that were gathered around Jerusalem and out in the courtyard area talking to others that he would be introduced to about the Lord. And he felt really good about it. Then he said, I'm going to go to my people. 
the Hellenistic Jews, the, the Greek-speaking Jews, because when the dispersion happened through the conquering of Jerusalem, the Jews were scattered throughout the Mediterranean region and beyond. And the common language among the Jews in their synagogues was Greek. These were the Greek Jews. These were the ones that were intense on, on Saul going to Damascus to, to continue to persecute the Christian church. These were the ones in the Sanhedrin that were pressing it. And Saul said, Ha, huh, I can tell you, my testimony is strong. They'll listen to me. They'll know that this is, this is the same Saul that three years ago was up here reaping, wreaking havoc on the church. And wait until they see the transformation in me. Well, folks, that's not always respected. Sometimes you'll go to your family. They know you. They've watched you grow up. You, there's not a thing you can tell them that you've done that they don't know about already, usually. Their family or your friends, your closest friends. And you can talk until you're blue in the face about how you have changed. But I'm going to tell you, there are those out there that will not receive it. Either they don't want to receive it because they continue to enjoy the lifestyle that you once experienced, or they just, you have hurt them so deeply they don't want anything to do with you. It could be any of those reasons or something else. Well, look what they try to do. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews. You see, at this point, Saul, even after three years in the desert experience and in Damascus, even after those three years, Saul still thought that he was a master at debating, at discussing, at convincing people to see things his way. But they wouldn't have anything to do with it. Are you trying to tell me, they're saying to him, that this same rabbi that you learned under, you learned the laws, you learned the, the standard of excellence, all of our life we have been told that we obey these laws, we're going to be good. If we do these things the way that, that we've been taught traditionally, it's going to be okay. And now you're saying none of that matters? Is that what you're saying to us, Saul? Are you saying that the only way to heaven is through this Messiah, Jesus? That's what you're saying to us? We're not buying it. That's not the way we have been taught. Have you found that to be true And when you talk to other people? Are you telling me that grace is all I need to be saved through faith in Jesus? Really? There's got to be more to it than that. There's got to be works. I mean, I was raised with works. With there, There's so many things that we need to do. I mean, there's community service. There's church service. There, there's all these things. I've got to do these things. I've got to do certain things. And Saul says, no. I've learned. For by grace are you saved through faith. It, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any of us should boast. Amen. Wow. And then he would say to the church at Ephesus, for we are his workmanship created into Christ Jesus unto good works. Whoa. And he's trying to tell them, I'm crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Well, they didn't take that sitting down. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. 
Well, not only was Paul rejected and then ultimately respected by many of the disciples, but now he was redirected. Look at verse 30. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. He was bold and stirred up controversy to the extent that they wanted his head on a platter. You see, Paul would say right in his testimony to the church at Galatian, Galatia in chapter 1 that he was only in Jerusalem for 15 days and the only apostles that he met with were Peter and James. 15 days. After three years, he lasted 15 days and then they had to get him out of town. Took him down to Caesarea down on the, on the Mediterranean Sea. He boarded a ship and went up due north right up the coastline to Tarsus. Why did they go to Tarsus? That's his hometown. You know how long he was there? We think he was there seven years before Barnabas comes to find him. We think that he was serving in Cilicia and starting churches at that particular point, but the point is, God said, this is not where I want you in Jerusalem. This is not what I ask you to do. Now, listen to Saul's own testimony before the authorities in Acts 22. He says, When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. And here's where Saul starts arguing with God. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go. What part of go did you not understand, Saul? And then God says, I will send you far away to the Jews? No, to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles. So he went home to Tarsus, his hometown, and stayed there some seven years or so. But here's the thing. How many times over in my lifetime has God redirected me? How many missionaries have I talked to that God has redirected them? They picked out a particular country. They were encouraged to pick out a particular country of service. They go there. The Lord redirects them to another country. Or they go into a specific ministry and all of a sudden God directs them to a different type of ministry. You go in certain areas. Why would God take a brilliant spokesman, a, a preacher like Saul, and send him home? Because God's not through with him yet. You see, we have a hard time. We are kind of myopic Christians. We see things only in an immediate, temporary way of looking at things. We begin to see things only from our human perspective. And granted, it tends to be a little prejudiced about where we think we ought to serve and to whom we ought to serve. And God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I got the big picture. I'm not looking at Sun City Center. I'm not even looking at Florida. 
Now, I'm not even looking at the United States. I've got this entire globe right here, these 7 billion people scattered throughout this entire planet. And what I want to do is to use you to do this particular ministry because it's going to have an impact on somebody else halfway around the world. And as it has an impact on somebody halfway around the world, later on, maybe only in eternity, will He reveal what that particular obedience to Him resulted in. Saul, you don't understand. I told you when you were still blind and not taking food and water there in Judas's house that I would send you first to the Gentiles. First to the Gentiles. What part of that did you not get? And I know Saul, like any of us, really loved the people with whom he grew up. He loved those people in Jerusalem that, that, that he served with, that he fought for. I'm going to tell you something. When God redirects your ministry, some of you are here today. Some of you are listening to this broadcast. And God is redirecting you. He's taking you from one field of ministry to another. Maybe it's, it's from one church field to another. Maybe it's geographically. He's going to actually uproot you or take your tent pegs and move you to a different locale. Maybe it's, it, maybe it's a completely different ministry at all. I've talked to people that I, I listened to them in their testimonies. I had a friend of mine from New York that was raised Catholic. I never will forget him. Mary Jo knows who I'm talking about here. But he was he said, you know, I don't know what I can do. He said, I was raised Catholic. I'm in here in this Baptist church. I don't understand these ministries. And all of a sudden they needed a teacher for three year olds. Three year olds. He told me later on in the men's Bible study, he said, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. He said, I began to learn the Bible simply from the foundation. I, I was reading them stories that I'd never heard in my entire life. And he says, what a blessing that's been. Wow. I had another man that was teaching with boys seventh grade boys, and I, I told, he said, I've never done this before, and I said, let me, do, let me ask you this, and I'm going to give you all a caution here. I said, you make sure that you've got an exit strategy. He says, uh, and he looked at me and he said, what do you mean? I said, you let the leaders know that you're going to give it your best shot, and you're going to see if the Lord's going to use you in this capacity. But if he doesn't, don't hesitate to pack it in. Submit your resignation and try something else. That's what some of us, we're so afraid of failing. The Apostle Apostle Paul, Saul, failed at Jerusalem. He failed when he was in Damascus. And so many of us are, are so fearful of failing that even though the Lord gives us directions about going into certain ministries, going into certain geographical areas, giving our testimony to certain people, that we're so afraid of failure. We're so afraid that we're going to fall on our faces that we fail to do it in the first place. Hmm. Boy, is that you? Is that you today? Maybe the Lord's calling you into a different ministry. Maybe He's calling you to a different church family. Maybe He's calling you 
out of a particular denominational background that you're, you've grown up so familiar with and yet you feel the Lord strongly leading you into another uh, area of ministry. It's yours, folks. This is yours. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to start the greatest pilgrimage journey that you will ever have by putting that first foot by faith in Jesus forward. If you've never followed him in public profession of faith or baptism, this invitation is open to you. If you are looking for a church home, a place of service, if you feel God is redirecting your energies, we have a place of service for you. If you're looking for the Lord to serve him in some other capacity, I don't care what your background is. I don't really care what your reputation is. If you come with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength to serve the Lord God Almighty through Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, I want to partner with you. Shoulder to shoulder, let's walk together in this journey we call life. For all of us, for all of us, it's a big deal to serve the Lord, to be called into His purpose. And maybe some of you have been that seven years in the wilderness or back at home and, and you've had this period of time where you haven't been serving the Lord. Now's the time to step forward. Now's the time. Would you stand with me in prayer? Father, we just praise you for who you are and we thank you so much for this day. Lord God, I just ask that you'll be with us and I know there are decisions being made in this audience, wherever they might be anywhere in this world. And I pray that they will trust you as their Lord and Savior, that they'll turn their lives over to you, regardless of their background, regardless of their reputation, regardless of their past, regardless of failures or, or frustrations. Lord, I just pray that they'll turn their hearts and minds over to you today. Lord, right now. And Father, I pray that other believers come alongside them and help them grow in Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this joy that we have in you. Be with us now. May we honor you above all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.